it's tackle football. I mean, for fuck's sakes, like even practice, you're going to have to run into each other once in a while. It's tackle football. For fuck's sakes, let's wake up. You're listening to Unscripted with Mike and Chris, brutally honest sports talk. And now, here is Mike Jansen. You know, if you've listened to any, I don't even know the number, but the one number I do know is that as I sit here and talk to you today here on Unscripted, we have produced 517 episodes. And I can also tell you that I have made my references very clear that I hate the Chicago Bears. I hate the Minnesota Vikings. And I don't really hate the Detroit Lions, not only because of Sean, uh, but, you know, they just have been irrelevant since 1954. So there's no reason to hate the Detroit Lions. They're poorly managed. And as long as they can give giving the Packers basically two wins a year, I'm I'm not that big a hater of the Detroit Lions. You don't like kicking puppies. Good for you. Yeah, exactly. Exactly right. Well, you know. Um, <laughs> but as long as this guy can stay the quarterback of the Chicago Bears, <laughs> I will be happy. Oh, you wish. If this guy continues to be the quarterback long-term of the Chicago Bears, Ryan Pace will be out of a job. Coach Nagy will be out of a job. Um... I don't know who else is involved. I mean, Mrs. McCaskey is still around at about a thousand years old as the chairman of the board, but uh, Virginia McCaskey, the daughter of George Hallis, she's still around in her nineties and still kicking. And she's a really a wonderful lady. It's just too bad that she's affiliated with the Chicago bears. But the guy that I'm talking about is that legend from the university of North Carolina, Mitchell Trubisky, who said this week that he is motivated. He should be. He is motivated by Nick Foles' arrival in Chicago and says that, and I quote, I still feel that this is my team, end quote. Good luck with that, Mitch. Packer fans around the world want the Bears to be Trubisky's team too because it greatly enhances our chance of winning a championship, at least the NFC North Division Championship, when Mitchell Trubisky is your quarterback. But I got to say, I don't believe, and you know, you and I, and rightfully so, you and I have been riding Ryan Pace's ass here for as long as he's been the general manager because he's been he's done nothing to warrant us getting off riding his ass. I mean, he's really even screwed up the Camille, uh, Khalil, 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 easy for me to say, the Khalil Mack trade because he hasn't augmented this team except for the you know the first year they were twelve and four, but since then they've digressed. They are not. They are not, in my opinion, they are not worthy of being in contention for the NFC North Division Championship. Let's just say that. Could they sneak in potentially as a wild card? Only if Nick Folds, in my opinion, has taken snaps from center. And Nick Folds, if he does get that opportunity, has got to stay healthy. Jesus Christ, Nick. You get hurt falling out of the shower, you big wimp. But... Mitchell Trubisky is making news, and I'm glad he's showing some confidence. I imagine Ryan Pace is trying to boost his confidence up because, remember, this was the general manager that traded up and got lynched, pun intended, by John Lynch when he traded with the San Francisco 49ers from 3-2 to two a couple of years ago to ensure that Mitchell Trubisky would be the quarterback on the north side. And remember... We all remember quite vividly at number 10, the 
Kansas City Chiefs took a guy named Mahomes. And at 12, the Houston Texans took a guy named Watson, who would really look good in Chicago right now and would scare the shit out of me if either one of those two were the quarterback of the Chicago Bears. Keep that in mind. What I want to talk about next, though, is still in the National Football League. I want to get Chris's opinion on this because I have an opinion on this. News out of Cleveland is that the Browns and defensive end Miles Garrett are work. Or is he an outside linebacker? He's a defensive end. Yeah, okay. That's what I have here, but, you know, sometimes 3-4-4-3, three, four, four, three, whatever. News out of Cleveland is the Browns' defensive end, the Browns and the defensive end, not Miles Garrett, are working on a mega-deal contract extension. Right now, folks, I don't know what Chris's opinion. I'm going to ask him here as soon as I get done, and I'll shut my mouth. I think that this is wrong. This is not the time to be talking about a contract extension. And if you are talking about a contract extension, I guess we can't stop you, but don't make it public uh, public consumption right now. Right now, when you're talking about a mega deal contract extension with anybody, I think that this is wrong because of the situation that we're in right now. And again, People unemployed, not working, people losing their homes because they lost their jobs and they can't, you know, pay for things. Um, but I think this is wrong because there are two years left on Miles Garrett original rookie contract. And let's be honest, folks. There's a bit of an image issue here with the way last season ended, in my opinion, in regard to Miles Garrett and when he tried to literally rip the head off of backup Steelers quarterback, what the fuck was his name, Rudolph. Mason Rudolph. Mason Rudolph, thank you, sir. I think truck stop Jimmy may want to see how Garrett comes back, you know, and how he performs how he meshes back with his teammates, how he meshes back into the league again. He's got some work on his, I think he's got some work ahead of him on his image. Regardless of what, you know, supposedly Mason Rudolph, you know, had some slurs, used some uh, used some derogatory language. We can't confirm or deny that because we don't have the players are mic'd. Um, I don't know what Mason Rudolph did, but what Miles Garrett did in some instances and some states in the United States, he'd probably have been brought up on charges because that is a deadly weapon. That football helmet is a deadly weapon. I don't give a damn what anybody says. But I think that there needs to be some self-reflection in the Cleveland organization, and it's got to be led by Truck Stop Jimmy because this team has, I mean, again, a new general manager, Andrew Barry is his name. He's had a good offseason. He's trying to repair the image himself of the Cleveland Browns organization. But my God, talking about a mega deal, contract extension with a guy that's coming back after having missed a number of games last year because of that misfortunate incident in Monday Night Football last year against the Steelers. I think this is poor timing. And to me... You can take the person out of Cleveland, but sometimes you can't take the Cleveland out of the person. And this organization reeks of needing some credibility. And I don't think at this time, this is a good thing for Cleveland to be getting into with Miles Garrett. Yeah, the timing is just bizarre. I mean, I'm not going to completely write off Miles Garrett. He's an amazing talent when he's on the field. 
and he was a pretty good first overall pick. It's just that this is that same draft we just talked about with Mahomes, Watson, and Trubisky. And obviously, if the Browns could redo it, they would have taken Patrick Mahomes first overall, obviously. And uh, you are lucky, though, that the Bears had Ryan Pace. Honestly, no kidding. Can, point, you're looking yeah. for a quarterback, and and maybe they take Deshaun. Maybe someone else takes Watson, who who would still have been not someone you'd want to have on the Bears as a Packer fan. But can you imagine if the Bears had Patrick Mahomes? First of all, they probably would have won a Super Bowl already with him and Mac and whatever else. Second of all, you have to have him in your division for the next fifteen years. Oh can, my God, I know. It I would know. be just a, a complete nightmare. Oh my God. Like I mean, the whole rest of the AFC West has just got to be like, yeah, you know, and and that's why we see them making big moves there and and really they're in fairness none of those three other teams in the afc west is packing up and just giving up like they're all right they're all just having an arm they're like fuck it we're in the al east basically we're just right. let's do it okay fine let's yeah. just let's just load up and let's just uh, arm ourselves to the teeth and see what happens so it, it's pretty exciting times in the afc west but i know you're you're glad it's not in the nfc north where this is happening Anyway, yeah, Patrick Mahomes would easily be the first overall pick if this was redone. But if you look past the quarterbacks, Miles Garrett may still be the next guy off the board other than quarterbacks. Uh, Christian McCaffrey would obviously get a lot of uh, consideration, who went eighth overall to Carolina that year, right? I don't think anyone else had really... There's there's some awesome picks in this draft. Uh, I don't think anyone else other than the three quarterbacks and Miles Garrett would really push for number... Or McCaffrey would really push for number one in a redraft. But Miles Garrett, even if you like him, even if you think he's worth a mega contract, the timing is so weird for so many reasons. It's early summer. Uh, there's no appetite for this. No one's paying attention to football. And maybe that's the key right there is that they're trying to sneak it in there when no one's paying attention because nobody wants to hear how much money some rich guy's making right now. And there's the pandemic coming around and people are out of work. And he's just coming off this weird suspension where he assaulted a guy. So it's just really, really strange. I mean, I don't really get it unless you're trying to sneak it in there. You know, they're going to announce it on a Sunday in July. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So they get they minimize their backlash, but they feel for football reasons they need to get it done. Look, he's a great player, and I think we'll all get past this. In fairness, whether Mason Rudolph said a slur or not, we don't know. But uh, the thing is, allegedly, that is more uh, more accepted universally is that he did try to take off Miles Garrett's helmet, which to me makes me understand Miles Garrett's decision a lot more because I've said it before, and I'll just be honest. I don't care if someone said something insulting to me or not. If we're in a fight and they take off, try to take off my helmet, I'm going to take off their helmet and bash them in the head with oh, it. Oh, for sure. That's just what I want to do, and I think it. I think it's a. I think it's appropriate in an eye for an eye type of a sense. But uh, yeah, I don't really understand the timing. If nothing else, the timing is totally bizarre. I agree with you. Um, just think about this before I get on to this next thing that I want to talk to you about. But think about the quarterback position in the AFC West moving forward. Not only do you have the defending Super Bowl champion and a, a guy who's going to be a multiple MVP winner in Mahomes, obviously in Kansas City, but potentially down the road, Los Angeles Chargers, Justin Herbert, Denver Broncos, Drew Locke, Oakland, this is a huge year for Derek Carr because if Derek Carr doesn't work out, he's got Marcus Mariotti behind him. And if neither one of those handbags work out, then Oakland will be in search of a quarterback here in the very near future. But Herbert, Locke, and Mahomes 
Jesus. Christ. Yeah. Well, That's I mean, loaded. Well, potentially it's loaded. Yeah. The the jury's still out on Locke and Herbert, and if if those two don't work out, then Kansas City's laughing. And don't forget, it is the Las Vegas Raiders. I know you want to say Oakland, but it's the oh, Las Vegas Raiders. I, I get that. And and you know what? And I and as much as I hate the tooth in Denver. I think one of the really now, you know, we've had a couple of weeks or months now to, to go over this and look at it. But Jerry Judy, the wide receiver in Denver, could potentially make Drew look Drew Locke look good. And he did have a nice end of the year. But remember, Denver ain't playing for anything at the end of the year. You know, you're getting vanilla de- vanilla defenses and teams are just waiting for the season to end. I get all of that. But Jerry Judy. I'm telling you, along with that tight end, they got Noah Font a couple of years ago out of Iowa. If he plays up to expectations, but I really like this Jerry Judy kid. And the sad thing about liking Jerry Judy so good is that he could make the tooth look good. And that's really difficult for me. But, you know, Drew Locke has got some weapons, but I'm I'm really liking this Jerry Judy kid. And I'm interested to see how he's going to work in uh, the Mile High City. Yeah, I, sorry, I just wanted to say, yeah. I, I've been watching a lot of Jerry Judy too. I've been watching a lot of film. There's a lot of really, on YouTube, there's a lot of really good YouTube accounts from scouting experts who have right. really great tape that you can go watch for free. And I've been really enjoying that. And Jerry Judy is one of my favorite guys to watch uh, from the from the rookie class here. Well, mm-hmm. probably my favorite uh, of this most recent class. And he's just known for such elite route running and football IQ, yeah. which is, is really tough um, coming out of college and the wide receiver position is generally I mean you could say quarterback as well but the wide receiver position is certainly one of the toughest to project at the next level how they're going to work out and uh, with Jerry Judy he seems to have all the correct tools he's not the biggest he's not the most physical maybe not the best blocker but in terms of just a pure route runner and high football IQ guy it would be tough to beat him at his age and his level just coming right out of college. And Drew Locke and Jerry Judy have been doing one-on-one practices for weeks yep. now, working together. So I'm I'm more and more getting on the Jerry Judy bandwagon, even more than C.D. Lamb, even though both of them have situations where there's going to be three featured wide receivers in their offenses. But Jerry Judy does seem to really stand out to me. You never know. There's there's no one you can confidently predict is for sure going to go from college to the next level and be awesome. It's so hard to tell. Undrafted guys make it big all the time. First overall picks or busts. It all happens. It's so hard to predict. But I have to say, I'm I'm liking Jerry Judy and I like what he brings and I think he'll I think he'll certainly surpass Cortland Sutton there and Hamler will just be a, a slot receiver. Uh, I like Jerry Judy to potentially be the next big outside like x receiver going down the line on the outside and and i like i like him to be the next without the personality and the lack of a brain i like him to be the next antonio brown really i've got an antonio brown story for you well there you go i know you're ready for it all i'm going to say is that in, in regard to jerry judy i had a very quiet hope and ultimately if my boy gutekunst was going to trade up for a quarterback that I thought he could have gotten in the second or third round, I really believed I had a quiet hope that Jerry Judy could have somehow ended up in Green Bay because he would have been the speed. Devontae Adams is very talented and one of the best route runners in the National Football League, but he doesn't have that burning, burning speed like the like the other guy, the vegetable soup guy, but he can't catch or think. Marquez Valdez Spalding or Spalding or Sucks or whatever his name is. But I just had a real closet hope 
quiet closet hope that Jerry Judy would somehow end up in Green Bay. And what do the Packers do? They don't drive a. They don't draft a receiver. I recommended that on this. I show. know you when, did. When we had Sean I right know, here. You were the one that got yeah. me thinking about Jerry Judy in Green Bay. I thought he so would have sense. been. Yeah, I thought he'd have been a great, a great pick. They should have been. They should have been all in to win right now. If you're the Packers, and for I, well, not just this year, but I mean the next as long as Aaron's supposed to play the next four years, five right. years, whatever. They should have been all in and. I, I would have absolutely overpaid. I would have surrendered assets. I would have done whatever it took to get Jerry Judy. I mean, at, no at, question. Least, at least maybe even like you get a CD Lamb, Henry Ruggs, I don't care about. But uh, but no, I mean, Jerry Judy was absolutely the right guy. Jerry to Judy, take for in the my Packers. opinion, Jerry Judy or the kid uh, out of LSU, Jefferson, who ended up in Minnesota, would have been great fits for the Packers. Yeah. And. I, and uh, we ended up getting a quarterback that's going to ride the bench for the next five I, I years. I think th- I don't blame Packers fans if they have PTSD from from that draft. Like oh. it, it's so bad. I and just I'm not looking anything past the first two picks, but I mean, in terms of need, and I know some people say take the best player available, but I don't think you could make the case that's what the Packers did in, in this no, situation. Because again, and you know. Some of these neophyte morons are saying, well, it's very similar to what happened 15 years ago no, with Brett not. Favre and Aaron Rodgers. No, it's not. Because Rodgers was legitimate first overall talent. First. Not 24th, which he ended up. He could have been and should have been the first overall pick of the San Francisco 49ers. That's a lot different than the Jordan Love scenario. Because Jordan Love, in my opinion, my opinion only, you may not agree with me, but Jordan Love could have been taken in the second or the third round, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And now look, if in this draft, let's say the Bengals don't take Joe Burrow like everyone's expecting, and then... The uh, Packers are sitting there at either 24th overall, like they were in 05, or 26th overall, like they moved up for this year. You're sitting there, and Joe Burrow falls to you this year. Okay, that's a different conversation. Absolutely. Oh, how did this happen? Okay. Absolutely. Maybe we take Joe Burrow now. Can't It'd be really hard to fault them then. That's right. different. But Jordan Love, if, no. If, if Burrow or Tua or Herbert fall some miraculously down to 24 or 26, there isn't a question, and there isn't a problem with it. But Packer fans, besides being very passionate, are very informed, and they they study this stuff like all teams do. I I get that, but I know a little bit more about the Packer organization than the other 31 teams. Having said that, there is no problem if one of those three tumbles down to to the mid to late 20s. But Jordan Love... And I hope I'm wrong. I hope we're all wrong. I really do. But um, no, the two games against the Niners last year would say that uh, we are right in our concern that the Packers are not good enough to win now. Well, and they're not good enough to win later either. Unless the two, are magic. The, the two games against 49ers, Helen Keller could have seen what the weaknesses were. And you had Patrick Queen there from LSU. If you're not going to take a wide receiver, if you're steadfast, you're going to, you think you've got enough talent in your wide receiver room right now, which is bullshit. But if you think you're Brian Gutekunst and you think you've got enough with Alan Lazard and Jake Kumaro and MSV and St. Brown, the guy from Notre Dame, if you think you've got talent there after, of course, obviously Devontae Adams, if you think you've got enough, you still got a potential to plug a huge hole in your middle linebacker position with the queen kid from LSU, or you could have taken a D lineman, which you desperately need because that, that running back that ran over the Packers 
in the NFC Championship game, he wasn't even getting touched until he was seven yards into the Packers secondary. You and I could run behind that kind of that kind of effective offensive line. Sean Alexander could too, maybe. And he but used to. Yeah, but I'm just I I don't want to get on that. But this is my Antonio Brown update for you. In uh, South Bla- in South Florida, from the police blotter, Antonio Brown on Friday pled no contest to to a battery charge. He gets two years probation and a hundred hours of community service, but no blemish on his record. Well, no jail time. Jail time, yeah. He's still, he's, I mean, it's still, yeah. He's I, still I, a punk. I, I know, and, yeah. Um, no I contest, yeah. It I, just means he doesn't have to admit No guilt. contest, yeah. But I still, I don't know. I don't think anybody's going to sign him next year. Um, yeah. One thing I really wanted to talk about, and this is um, in regard to the National Football League, I want to make sure we get to this because this is, this is, uh, this is one of the, uh, this is one of the good coaches in the National Football League. This is not Butchin. This is John Harbaugh, the Harbaugh that can coach. Yeah. John Harbaugh was interviewed this week, and he's talking about the uh, COVID-19 protocols. Coach Harbaugh goes on to say that it's humanly impossible to follow the NFL's COVID-19 protocols. He goes on to say that teams are expected to space player lockers six feet apart, limit workout participation to 15 players at a time, and hold meetings either outdoors or virtually, among other things. And Harbaugh's biggest bone of contention is simply this. This is still a communication sport in regard to people on the defensive and the offensive side. Those units, they need to know how they mesh and how they integrate and how they move and how they coordinate, and they have to communicate this stuff. With these kind of parameters, I can see why Coach Harbaugh is a little bit concerned about the upcoming NFL season. Oh, for sure. I mean, it's tackle football. I mean, for fuck's sakes, like even practice, you're going to have to run into each other once in a while. The six foot thing is ridiculous. Why don't you just test everybody every day? Absolutely. How about that? You don't need social distancing if no one has the virus. It's, have I mean, them come in. You give them a test. You let them go to practice. If they don't, if they don't, if they fail, then you send them to isolation yes. for 14 days. Unbelievable. Jesus Christ. Even testing. an idiot like I can figure that testing, out. Testing, testing, testing. That's all you have to worry about. Then you don't have to worry about outdoor meetings and six feet apart it's tackle football for fuck's sakes let's wake up this is another problem here with roger goodell not having the confidence of anybody to do anything right just like manfred and this is why the nhl and the nba are so far ahead when it comes to this because there's not a dysfunctional system the players have some trust for the commissioner and everyone seems to be working for the same goal and in the right direction. And this is just unbelievable. And, you know, Goodell's really lucky that oh. this didn't happen during, you know, the if NFL season. this happens season. in October or oh August. My God. Well, yeah, but during the NFL, while there were games being played, this would have been just, oh my God, it would have been mayhem. It would have been good in the long term because, well, the, you know, you know, you know what? The, the owners are so lazy that I and I still don't know why they pay him so much and why they want him there so badly. A lot of them don't even like him. It doesn't make any sense. I don't know what the secret is, but he's got pictures. I guess. Uh, but it, yeah, it, he would have been exposed completely, and it would have been interesting if they would have gotten rid of him. But yeah. in fairness, if baseball owners aren't getting rid of Manfred, then I I don't know. Then it, apparently point. no one can. No commissioner has to worry about losing his job for any reason. So I don't know. We've got um, one baseball story that I, 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 I'm just going to laugh at, but uh, I just think that we need to report this. As we sit here, Chris and I, and, and talk to you, uh, 
It is Saturday, June the 13th. There is a Sunday deadline as we switch gears quickly to Major League Baseball, and I still want to get to my favorite bitch from the NBA, and I'll get to him before we put a wrap on this 518th episode of our program. But there is a Sunday deadline, so Sunday, June the 14th. There is a Sunday deadline for the Major League Baseball Players Association to accept the owner's latest proposal on a 2020 regular season. The proposal is the players would receive 80% of their prorated salaries over a 72-game season. Well, the Major League Baseball Players Association Friday afternoon said they will not accept this. Sunday can come. It doesn't matter. They will not accept this. The Major League Baseball Players Association recently proposed an 89-game schedule and the players to receive full prorated pay. All I'm going to say here real quick is bye-bye baseball. Yeah, I mean, here's the problem when you have such a dysfunctional system is that even if one side decided, you know what, we're going to do this as fair as we can. We're going to try and look at it as like a a neutral third party and really try to be fair and honest and just do the right thing, whatever that is mathematically. Even if you do that, the other side is going to take that as weakness and just take advantage and just pounce on it. And you can't have that. You'd have to have both sides saying, okay, like, let's look at this fairly. Let's get an arbitrator. Right. Right. Great. Yeah. How like, it's almost like, uh, you know, you should have heard of arbitration being in baseball and the fact that they aren't looking at that yet is crazy. I mean, and then there'd be so much suspicion about is the arbitrator biased or anything like that. But this has to go to arbitration or it won't get resolved. That's right. Period. No question. That's no it. question. That's it. Um, really quick. We've got to get we've got to get to this, I think, before we uh, get out of here on this 518th episode of our program. Um, NBA. In a conference call on Friday... The NBA Players Association leadership group told 80-plus members of the league, the labor, that they believe no fans will be allowed to attend games next season because of coronavirus. Billions to be lost in ticket sales. It'll be interesting to see how this affects paying players moving forward. But what I really wanted to get to before I get Chris involved is there was a new report out of this call on Friday about my favorite bitch in the NBA, Nets guard Kyrie Irving, who wasn't going to play in the restart to the season in Orlando anyway. He's done. He had shoulder surgery. Him and Kevin Durant are not going to play. So why? I, I, I don't know. But this report states that Irving is opposed to the NBA's return. He's critical of the league's salary disparity amongst players. He says there's a high-end player group, you know, the LeBrons of the world and those kind of guys. And then, But there's such disparity among players as well as the systematic racism. He is telling anybody that will listen to him that they should not continue the NBA season whenever they're scheduled to at the end of July or whatever that is. Los Angeles Lakers center Dwight Howard and my second favorite whipping boy Carmelo Anthony also acknowledge the possibility of sitting out due to social issues and COVID-19. But this Kyrie Irving bitch just to me falls into the same category as the two baseball bitches, Blake Snell and Bryce Harper, about not going to play baseball unless they're fully compensated to the amount that they agreed to on their contracts. Kyrie Irving, I know you went to Duke, but you never graduated because you were only there one year, and you're not smart enough to go back and com- and continue your studies to complete your degree. Um, you come off 
as the same way I think you come off in regard to if you're a fan of Blake Snell or Bryce Harper. You come off as an entitled little bitch. You're worried about the uh, disparity of pay among players in the National Basketball Association. couple of things here, Kyrie, that I don't think you've figured out yet. When you're talking about the National Football League, you're talking about a 53-man roster, and I, if I'm not, if I'm, if I'm correct, that is supposed to add a few players before the start of the season. Major League Baseball, you're looking at at least a 25-player roster. National Hockey League, you're looking at at least 20 players on a game day roster. That's already bigger than the NBA. The NBA only has 15 players, and only 12 are game day active. So, Kyrie Irving, again, you come off as a as a entitled little brat here along with your uh fraternity brothers Blake Snell and Bryce Harper in Major League Baseball it's sad and I truly hope that there's enough leadership in the NBA with guys like Chris Paul guys like LeBron James guys like oh I don't know Ant, uh, Anthony or yeah it's Anthony Davis of the LA Lakers leaders like that that actually want to play and get a, a champion crowned I hope that the membership the NBA Players Association is listening to players like him instead of bitches like Kyrie Irving because really guys in the grand scheme of things you're still getting overpaid to play a game and a lot of people don't even have a paycheck coming in right now <sighs> Kyrie Irving yeah that, that's I feel like I just said the punchline at the very beginning, but look, Kyrie Irving, there is a disparity between how much you make and how much LeBron James makes because there is a disparity on the talent that you have for the game of basketball. <laughs> and if anything, the money is closer than the disparity in your talent. So I wouldn't complain. Per talent unit, you are getting paid more than LeBron James, I think, because uh, you should not be even that close to him. And is LeBron James white now or something? <laughs> like, Well, LeBron James is thinking about his post-basketball career, which will involve producing movies and t- television shows in, let's see, white Los Angeles. Well, so Kyrie Irving's using LeBron James as an example of uh, of disparities and well, systemic racism. and it, It's what? funny. LeBron James and Kyrie Irving are in a collision course, and it's going to be fun to watch these two heads, you know, these two heads battle because LeBron James is just going to kill him. Who, oh, who's LeBron going to take on next? Me? Like, I mean, <laughs> oh, no. you. <laughs> oh, no. He has to face Kyrie Irving. Oh, no. Oh, next is going to be Carmelo Anthony. Like, all these old guys that no one gives a shit about. Kyrie Irving... <laughs> And Dwight Howard and Carmelo. This is a who's who of crap, of crap, of old dumb idiots who nobody cares about. And like, yeah, you're going to sit out because of social. The NBA, that's what you're going with. The NBA is racism. The NBA is racist. Okay. Uh, Adam Silver, the most beloved commissioner of any of the big four by far. You have a league that is over half African-American. 74% well over of the NBA yeah. population is African-American. Almost three quarters. Uh, I believe all the highest paid guys are African-American or at least not like white Americans. As far as I know. I right, don't, right, right. Who, we who, don't have stats in front of us, but who, we're offering what, Who would opinion. a high paid white guy even be? Oh, let me see. Um, uh, like, who are the top players in the league? Janice isn't white. LeBron. Right. Well, the top players in the league, Giannis, 
LeBron, Russell, Russell Westbrook, James Harden. Even James if you don't like Harden. them, no, I get that. Uh, they're they're all African Americans. The the the, the highest. The, I'm just trying to think right off the top of my head, real quick. A white guy. I mean, we don't have Larry Joe Bird anymore. So who are we supposed to be? You know, in, you know, who are we supposed to be targeting here? Um, like, can you imagine? Like, <laughs> I'm having a hell of a time thinking about a, 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 a high higher pay. tiered NBA player, high priced. That happens to be white. And I feel like, I think it might have been Bill Burr did a bit about this. Like, if you're a racist, like a hardcore racist, and you're watching the NBA, that must be hard to get through. It's like, oh, I don't like him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't like, like, yeah. I, I don't, <laughs> I think watching the NBA is the last thing you should be doing if you're a hardcore racist. I've got it. Who? I've got, I've got my white guy. Who? They both play for the Dallas Mavericks. Are they upper echelon players? Dirk? <laughs> no, not Dirk. Not anymore. Not Used anymore. to be for sure, but... Kristaps Porzingis, oh, and Luka Doncic. Okay, there's two white right. boys for you. Okay, there you go. My God, I just have a headache trying to think of two well, white okay. guys. But I mean, yeah, like we don't. <laughs> yeah, so I, I cop and this is what I talked about. This is where people start using their trying to push their own agenda forward right. because of all the stuff going on. All of a sudden, now Kyrie Irving doesn't make as much as LeBron James. So now he gets to complain right. because a black guy was killed by a white cop. Good for you, Kyrie. Yeah. You're such a piece of shit. And in <laughs> regard to Dwight Howard and Carmelo Anthony, if you guys don't want to play, stay home. Nobody cares. Stay home. I, I think Dwight Howard people cared about at one point. Carmelo, has anyone really cared about him since college, since like Syracuse? And well, like I, I think that there like, was a time that Knicks fans, because he's from New York, that oh yeah, they what liked did that get you? No, well, of course. I mean, it did nothing. I mean, you know, and again, we sit here and talk about it. The New York Knicks have not won a world's championship since 1973. That's, I mean, what else needs to be said? The New York Knicks are one of those flagship organizations, franchises that should have multiple championships just because of where they're located, the salaries that they can play, excuse me, pay, the opportunities that players have for off-court things to do in New York or in L.A., the New York Knicks, it should not have been since 1973 since the Knicks last won a championship. I think it's regard, it's, it's ridiculous, and it shows very poorly about the Knicks' leadership, which directly goes back to our friend James Dolan, who is an idiot. We've got a run on this 518th episode of Unscripted. Thank you very much, as always, for joining us and hope that you continue to do so. Uh, another good week of shows. Really enjoyed the draft. I hope you folks enjoyed listening, it, listening to that as much as we enjoyed bringing it to you. I think we all made really, really, really good choices, and I was very impressed, i got to say, to our friend Greg, uh, pulling off that trade. Uh, brilliance uh, in regard to thinking outside the box well done, Greg. Great addition, and uh, I love that. It just is apropos that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. plays in Montreal the way it should be. It just mm-hmm. should be that way, and Greg, thanks for going outside the box. Great choice there back in episode 516. Having said all that, and remember, real quick, if you're on one of our different uh, 18 platforms to listen to different pro uh, to listen to different podcasts please check ours out and subscribe we would truly truly appreciate it having said all that for the executive producer of unscripted mr chris fluke i'm mike jansen until next time